that. Well, here we are. We made it. It's January 1st, 2023. And as we take these first steps into this new year, I have no doubt that we're all wondering, what will this year hold for us? What's going to happen in our lives over the course of this new year? Now, if you're an optimist, then the chances are you're confident that 2023 is your breakthrough year. Maybe you even posted that on your social media accounts. This is the breakthrough year and you're claiming the promises of God and and you're certain that this year is going to be better than every other year before. That's what the optimist thinks. If you're a pessimist, then you're certain that this year is going to be the worst year ever. And not only the worst year of your life, but the worst year of the entirety of human history. That's what the pessimist is thinking. And then there's the realist. And if you're one of those who claims to be a realist, then you're really just a pessimist who's in denial. Let's let's be honest. Well, regardless of which of these three groups you personally identify with, it's crucial for every Christian to remember that our Savior has already revealed the future in advance. I'm not talking about, you know, what's what's exactly going to happen in your life tomorrow But he's given us an understanding of what's what's going to happen in the future through the prophetic promises that we find in the scriptures. And so we have a general understanding of how how history is going to unfold before we get there. Because, listen, God knows the end from the beginning. This was precisely the point that the angel presented to the apostle John while John was imprisoned on the island Patmos. And it was there where John wrote the book of Revelation. And it's in Revelation chapter 19 where we find this heavenly messenger speaking to John. And he tells John this. He says, worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Very interesting statement. Worship God For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Now, that word prophecy, it's translated from a Greek word, which in this context was used in reference to the predictive promises that stem from the divine mind of God. And seeing how God is the omniscient or all-knowing one, well, then we can be certain that the prophetic utterances that are presented by the prophets, they aren't just predictions. You know, a lot of people can make predictions, like the, 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 the weather forecasters are constantly presenting predictions about the weather, and then we see what really happens, and we see that predictions aren't always 100%. So when we're talking about prophecy, we're not talking about just predictions made by men. No, prophecy has to do with God's way of revealing the future in advance because he has that information. Now, as we consider this definition of prophecy, I want to take a moment to consider what the angel meant then when he informed the apostle John that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The scholars who created the New International Version of the Bible, they render this Greek in in this way. They say it like this. It is the spirit of prophecy who bears testimony to Jesus. Interesting. Okay, so if this is the best way to render the Greek, then the angel here seems to be saying that, that the Holy Spirit, who has inspired all prophecy, was primarily focused on presenting the revelation of Christ Jesus. This was actually the same point that the Lord Jesus made in Luke chapter 24. It's there where he informed his disciples that he came to fulfill everything that was written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. In other words, all of the messianic prophecies that we find in the Old Testament point to the Lord Jesus Christ. And in this way, the spirit of prophecy does in fact bear testimony to Jesus Christ. Without debate, this is true. And yet I'd like to offer another way to understand the angel's statement about the testimony of Jesus Christ. You see, when the angel informs John that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, well, he seemed to be assuring John uh, that uh, the, the message of the Messiah is prophetic by nature. The testimony or the message 
of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy, which is actually another way of saying that the the Messiah came to not only reveal his prophetic plans, but but he also uh, came to reveal the things that will happen as we get closer and closer to the second coming of Christ Jesus. Now, in light of this incredible truth, I just want to take a moment to address the Christians who are quick to dismiss this study of eschatology. And and the reason why is because, listen, believers have been wrong about the proper interpretation of end time events for nearly 2,000 years. That's what we're talking about here with the study of eschatology. We're talking about the study of end time events. And, And Christians have been trying to interpret end time prophecies since the the time when Jesus Christ left. And and Christians have been wrong so many times about a proper understanding of eschatology that there are many Christians in the church today who are just kind of like, eh, whatever. They couldn't figure it out. I'm not smarter than them, so I'm not going to figure it out either. So why bother? That's the attitude of many Christians in the church today. And I'm here to tell you that is wrong. It's wrong to have that attitude because the testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. And in light of this truth, it's crucial for every Christian to understand that those who want to properly present the testimony of Jesus Christ must also remember that the Lord Jesus has a whole lot to say about end time events. You might not know that, but it's true. The testimony of Jesus Christ has a great deal to do with the things that have yet to happen. To prove my point, I just want to uh, uh, draw your attention to the fact that the last book of the Bible, it's not called Revelations, as some might suggest. It's just one revelation. And the title of the book is The Revelation of Jesus Christ. And in case you didn't know, this book, which contains 22 chapters, 19 of them provide us with detailed prophecies about the time of tribulation, which will culminate in the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now think about that for a moment. The book of Revelation, the the revelation of Jesus Christ, contains 19 chapters that detail the future in advance. And it's in the final chapter of the book of Revelation where the Lord Jesus declares this. He says, behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Now, if I were to take an informal survey this morning and say, hands up, who wants to be blessed by God this year? I'm sure every hand would go up. And yet, how many Christians are missing out on all of God's blessings because they're not cashing in on this blessing, which is uh, poured out on those who keep the words of the prophecy of this book? Some Christians avoid the book of Revelation like it's the plague. And yet, it's the one book that promises blessings on those who read it. As a matter of fact, it's in the beginning of the book, Revelation chapter 1, verse 3, where John writes, Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it for the time is year, uh, near. There are blessings promised to those who read the revelation of Jesus Christ, all with the goal of hearing the words of this prophecy so that we might keep those things which are written in it. And in light of this encouragement, I encourage every Christian to realize that those who want to enjoy all of the blessings that the Lord has for us while we're here in this world, well, we should spend time studying the end time events that we find within the word of God. With this as the goal, it's also important for us to remember that, the, uh, that, that Jesus presented a warning about this study of end time events just before his ascension into heaven. As a matter of fact, it's in Acts chapter 1 where we find the disciples of Christ. They're asking him if he's about to uh, establish his millennial kingdom, which is not to say that it's a, a kingdom only of millennials. No, it's, it's Christ's millennial kingdom, meaning it'll last for a thousand years. And they're asking, All right, is this the time? Are you going to go and, and secure the throne of David? Is this the time that you're going to establish your kingdom here on the earth? And in response, here's what Jesus says. He says, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. 
But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now from this we can see here that the eschatological timelines and the prophetic seasons that, uh, that are hidden from us, they're, they're not for us to try to, uh, to, uh, to, to uh, you know, reveal. It's not the Father's plan to reveal these things to us entirely. There are some things that are beyond our understanding. And it's for this reason that I warn you, I warn you about those who would have us to believe that they've cracked the revelation code. You know, they, they have the correct calculus for figuring out the date of the rapture. You know, they, they take seven Shemitahs and uh, subtract it from eight and then uh, times it by, by a thousand other Shemitahs. And, and all of a sudden they've, they, oh, there it is. There's the date right there. And then that date comes and goes. And they're like, well, I just, you know, I, my calculation was just a little bit off. I forgot to carry the one, which is always the problem. And, and so then they, yeah. The internet is filled with these videos. And I encourage you, don't spend any time on them. These are silly people who don't really believe what Jesus said when he said, it's not for you to know times and seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. Yeah, they have an argument against that. They'll say, oh, well, that was for the, the apostles, but now we're, it's at the church age. The Holy Spirit has brought us this information. Where? Chapter and verse, please. Well, it's right there in Second Opinions, chapter 4, verse... Uh, be careful with these jokers. Because they sound really smart, but then their dates come and go, and rather than repenting, they go, oh, let me just crunch the numbers again, crunch. Here's a new date for you. Sadly, many believers have been led astray by those who make these sorts of predictions, and you know, when it comes to the study of end-time events, we would all do well to recognize that we've been called to study the end-time events, and we've been called to understand that not everything is revealed yet. We have to strike a balance between these two things. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, but then also, hey, let's make sure that we're not following after false teachings at the same time. With that, you know, it's important to understand that the Lord Jesus, you know, when it comes to this topic of end time events, Jesus has revealed a list of end time indicators which will continue to increase prior to the time of tribulation. With this as the focus, I want to spend some time considering these signs which are found in the Gospel of Matthew. So if you would, let's open our Bibles now to Matthew chapter 24. You see, it's here in the 24th chapter of Matthew's Gospel account where we find the apostles of Christ. They're presenting Jesus with another question, and, and, and they're, they're asking Jesus to give them some uh, understanding of uh, the signs of his second coming and the indicators that would help them to understand that it's the end of the age. And as they ask this question, the Lord Jesus presents them with these signs and indicators. And if you would look with me there in in Matthew chapter 24, verse 4, here Jesus answers this question and says to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. So, So right off the top, Jesus just says, hey, look, the last days will be a time of great deception as... Uh, false teachers and false Christs come along to try to deceive people. So he just says, starts off by saying, let no one deceive you. <clears throat> then in verse 6, he says, And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginnings of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Now, as we consider these signs of the end times, I'm sure we all agree that these indicator signs have been happening since the day when the Lord Jesus was crucified. Wars, rumors of wars, famines, earthquakes, pestilence. I mean, these things have been happening over the course of the entire church age. That being the case, we should take a moment to ask, well, how should we make a distinction between the mayhem, the, the, the general mayhem that happens every day, and these end-time indicators that the Lord Jesus lists here in these verses? And with this question in mind, I want to draw your attention to the statement that Jesus made there in Matthew 24, verse 8. 
Again, it's there where he declares all these are the beginning of sorrows. Now that word sorrows, it's actually translated from a Greek word. This word was used in reference to the pain of childbirth, which is commonly called labor pains or birth pangs. It's for this reason the scholars who created the Christian Standard Bible, they render verse 8 in this way. All these events are the beginning of labor pains. The scholars who created the NASB, they render the Greek in this way. All these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. Now, as we consider what Jesus was saying here, it's important for us to realize that labor pains increase in both frequency and intensity as the time for delivery draws near. That being the case, you know, it only stands to reason that the end time indicators that we find here in these verses, well, they're signs that will continue to increase in both frequency and intensity as the time of tribulation draws near. Now, with that being the case, we should take some time to consider this list of end time indicators in light of the events that are currently happening here in this world. And with this as the focus, if you would, let's take another look there at verse 6. There in verse 6, Jesus says, You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Now, for the sake of clarity, it'll help you to know that the Greek word, which is rendered war, it refers to the disputes and the fights and the battles that take place as nations rise up against other nations and kingdoms rise up against other kingdoms. And so according to the Lord Jesus, you know, the the day that will lead up to the second coming of Christ, it's going to be a time when wars and also rumors of wars, all of this will increase in both frequency and intensity, much like labor pains of a pregnant woman. We should also notice how the Lord Jesus goes on to describe these wars there in the beginning of verse 7. There he declares that nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Now, uh, the word nation there is translated from the Greek word ethnos, which could refer to a company of troops or a swarm of soldiers. And it's also interesting to note that the the same Greek word is, is the root word for our English word ethnic and ethnicity. So when Jesus informs his disciples that ethnos will rise up against ethnos. He seems to be referring to the wars which will be sparked by ethnic-based conflicts that cause global commotions. The Lord Jesus also informs his disciples here that, the king, that kingdoms will rise up against kingdom. And, and, you know, the word kingdom is translated from a Greek word which refers to the territory that's subject to a specific king. And as we consider the way that the kings of the earth or the rulers of this world attempt to conquer the countries that are connected to their own borders, well, we shouldn't be surprised as we continue to watch the fulfillment of this prophetic promise as kingdoms continue to rise up against other kingdoms and nations continue to rise up against other nations. Listen, if you've been paying attention, then you already know this, that the 20th and the 21st centuries have been a time of never-ending wars. Never-ending wars. There was once a point in time when, you know, uh, kingdoms could only go out to war when the weather was right. And so there were war seasons, and then the wars would be done, and then they would wait for the next season. Well, technology helps us around that now. Now people who are, are, are thirsty for more blood and want to conquer more land, they can go to war any time of the year. And that's exactly what we've seen. Never-ending wars. We've not only witnessed an increase of the frequency of these never-ending wars, but we're also watching the intensity of these wars continuing to increase as well. As a matter of fact, there's a Swedish group that publishes an annual report regarding their assessment of catastrophic risks. And since they're Swedish, I imagine that they're also drinking hot chocolate as they do this research. But I can't say that for certain. But according to their latest report, the risk of nuclear weapons use is higher today than at any point since the U.S. dropped nuclear weapons on Japan in 1945. We're at a greater risk of nuclear war today than we've been at since 1945. And according to the lead researcher of this group, the risk of nuclear war is greater today than even during the 1962 Cuban Missile Crisis. 
That's huge. One reason why, of course, is the situation happening there in Ukraine. And I don't have time to get into all of that, you know, and, and you know, the, the whole breakup of this area and who does it belong to and all these sorts of things. And here's what we do know is that we've got NATO and Russia engaging in never-ending wars right there in the land of Ukraine. And the people in Ukraine are suffering as a result. Not only that, but we're also watching things continue to escalate there in the Middle East as Iran continues to wage their proxy war against Israel by sending weapons into the hands of Hezbollah and Hamas. And listen, it was just two weeks ago when a senior Hamas official promised to liberate Palestine. Now, where you uh, ask is Palestine? Uh, well, if you open up your Bible to the maps section, you'll probably see the land of Israel there. And on that map, it'll probably say Palestine. And you should cross that out and write Israel because that's Israel. There's no such place as Palestine. This is the land of promise. This is the land of Israel. And yet this Hamas official just two weeks ago has promised to liberate Palestine from whom? Well, according to him, from Zionism and from treacherous Christianity. That's right. Hamas is ready to go to war and liberate Palestine from the Jews and from the Christians. Meanwhile, Iran continues to prepare for nuclear capabilities with the help of many other nations, including our own. And yet all the while, they've been promising to wipe Israel from the face of the map. That's been their stated goal for years now. To wipe Israel from the face of the map, so can we have nuclear capabilities? Sure. Makes perfect sense. At the same time, we're watching the Chinese government continuing to prepare for both an invasion of Taiwan and Japan. Now, we've been watching them preparing for this invasion of Taiwan for for a, a couple of years now, but just in the final weeks of December, just a couple of weeks ago, a Chinese carrier strike group started conducting drills that simulate attacks on Japan's Nancy Islands. So yeah, it looks like China's getting ready to not only invade Taiwan, but also Japan. And listen, this doesn't even take into consideration the Libyan crisis, which has been happening since 2014, the Syrian civil war, which has been happening since 2011, and the Boko Haram insurgency, which began in Nigeria back in 2009. Endless wars. Constant conflicts. And we don't even have time to get into the, uh, uh, the Russia, Iran, Turkey, Syria you know, a group that's a, you know, confederation that's, that's getting together to, uh, to, to prepare for their invasion of Israel as they, uh, you know, build all of their military uh, sites there at the, at the border of, uh, of Israel. Without debate, the Lord Jesus was right when he described the last days as a time when wars and rumors of wars will increase like labor pains. They will increase both in frequency and intensity. And not only that, But we should also consider the warning that Jesus presented there in the second half of verse 7. There he declares that there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. Now, here in the second half of this verse, we find the Lord Jesus describing the last days as a time when famines will increase in both frequency and intensity. And just as Jesus prophetically promised, you know, there's a perfect storm of circumstances which are creating a scenario which will most certainly result in widespread famine. This includes drought in some areas and crops being affected by drought, but, but at the same time, crops are also being affected by too much rain in other areas. Now, how crazy is that? Then there's this limited supply of fertilizer, which seems to be a man-made problem. And as a result, you know, many family farms are going out of business because they can't afford fertilizer. Fertilizer prices have gone through the roof and many smaller farms, they can't make it. They can't afford it. And isn't this similar to the situation that we saw during the lockdowns back in 2020? 
when all the mom and pop shops had to shut down and go out of business. Meanwhile, all of the big box stores got to stay open. Interesting. Let's not forget that the war happening there in Ukraine is happening there in what's called the breadbasket of Europe. This is shutting down food production there in Ukraine, which is food that goes out to many areas of the world. And let's not forget about the UN's 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development. Uh, According to this 2030 Agenda of the UN, they're using the climate change conspiracy to give governments more and more uh, control over how we use land. So they're creating more and more climate, you know, laws, you know, to try to, you know, keep cows from doing what cows do, you know, to try to keep, uh, you know, land use under control. Now, now listen, governments struggle, you know, with, with policies. I, I get it. You know, human government is going to fail you know, at, at, at some point and in many ways. And we have to agree, you know, that, that governments are really bad at many things. And if you give governments more and more control over food production, what do you think is going to happen? I mean, think about it. You know, we have a government there in California who says, okay, we're going to phase out all, you know, gas-powered cars by a certain date, you have to buy electric cars. And oh, by the way, we don't have enough electricity to power those cars, so don't charge them this weekend. Yeah, those are the kinds of government decisions that will just, you know, completely collapse an economy. And they want more and more control over land use so that they can grow more crickets for us to eat. Seems to me that the Lord Jesus was correct. That global famine is inevitable. The Lord Jesus also described the last days as a time of increasing pestilence. And just to be clear, the word pestilence found there in the middle of verse 7, well, it's translated from a Greek word which was used in reference to any plague that results in widespread disease. And that's precisely what we've been witnessing since at least the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic. As a matter of fact, over the past three years, uh, we've seen the COVID-19 virus mutate into uh, various other uh, uh, variants uh, like the, the Delta and, and the Omicron and, and so many others. But listen, now we see variants of those variants continuing you know, to evade the experimental vaccines that they've ushered out. So yeah, now we're dealing with variants of variants. And I woke up today and looked at the news and sure enough, there, there was one report saying, hey, the, you know, there's a new variant that is sweeping America by storm. Oh, yay. This is exactly what many virologists predicted back in 2020 when they assured us uh, and they, they tried to convince our health officials that if they use a leaky vaccine to try to get a, on, top of this, uh, on, on top of this pandemic, that it will only force new variants to, to, you know, to be created. And, and the reason why is because a leaky vaccine that allows a person to still get infected and then pass that infection on to others. That's how new variants get created quickly. And so guys like Geert Vandenbosch has been, have been warning us about this since 2020, and our health officials said, nah, that's not, that's not going to be the case. And yet here we are. So many variants that they, they can't keep up with. They, they can't keep the vaccine up to date enough to actually tackle the variants that are now you know, being spread around. We're watching pestilence just continuing to to plague society. Hospitals have been overwhelmed with stronger strains of the flu as well as RSV infections. There's been a surge in enteroviruses, which typically occur in the uh, gastrointestinal tract and and, and then are spread to the central nervous system. And and not only that, but now we're seeing a a deadly strain of strep A that has been overwhelming our hospitals and especially affecting our kids. The CDC just issued a health advisory regarding the increasing amount of pediatric invasive group A streptococcal infections. At the same time, we've also witnessed an outbreak of monkeypox this past year, which affected the LGBT community. And not only that, but we're also watching an increasing amount of young, healthy adults suddenly dying, and for reasons unknown, they were healthy, and then they suddenly died. And I get it. There's an ongoing debate about what's been causing this alarm, alarming increase in what they're calling SADS, sudden adult death syndrome. 
But listen, the, regardless of the, the reason for it, the, the insurance data is perfectly clear. As a matter, as a matter of fact, group life insurance has confirmed the fact that the mortality rate for employed people between the ages of 18 and 64 has increased by 40% since the third quarter of 2021. No doubt this is staggering, to say the least. This has been confirmed from insurance data coming out of the UK, as well as more recently from Germany. Without debate, we are watching an increasing amount of of people just suddenly dying. We're seeing wars and rumors of wars and, and famines and pestilences increasing in frequency and intensity, just as Jesus promised. Not only that, but Christ was also correct about the increasing amount of earthquakes. You know, the the word earthquakes found here in verse 7 is translated from the Greek word seismos. This is the root word for our English word seismic, which refers to, you know, earthquakes or other vibrations within the earth's crust. And I should also point out that it's in Luke chapter 21 where we, we find the Lord Jesus actually referring to this seismic activity as great earthquakes, which is translated from megas seismos. Megas seismos. That was my nickname in high school. But uh, but these mega earthquakes will continue to increase in both size and intensity as well as location. And just as Jesus predicted, listen, there's been a 2,000% increase in major earthquakes since 1900. 2,000% increase. In November alone, there were at least 18 significant earthquakes that caused the deaths of hundreds. Not only that, but there were also several smaller quakes right here in Texas. Maybe you felt one. Both in November and December, there were unusual tremors that occurred in West Texas. And, and, and those tremors were felt all the way to Fort Worth, according to the reports of some. No big deal, because, you know, that's on the north side of the Colorado River. And everything on the north side of the Colorado River is basically Dallas, and Dallas is basically Oklahoma. So, you know. You might not know this, but we live on a fault line. And as these earthquakes continue to increase, we have to ask, well, how's that going to impact us here? I can't say for certain, but we are clearly witnessing an increasing amount of earthquakes, just as Jesus promised. At the same time, it's also important for us to realize that this is all just the beginning of sorrows, which, uh, again, remember, is birth pains. This is all just the beginning of sorrows. The wars, famines, pestilences, earthquakes in various places, these are, these are just the beginning of the labor pains. And as we continue to watch these indicators increasing in frequency and intensity, we become more and more certain that we are, in fact, living in the last days. And with that being the case, I want to take uh, uh, some time to look at the next set of signs that Jesus mentions here in Matthew chapter 24. Uh, look with me again, beginning at verse 9. Here the Lord Jesus declares, Then, They will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. In other words, you know, after we begin to see this uptick in the amount of wars and famines and pestilences and and earthquakes, once, once we start seeing these things increasing in frequency and intensity, the next thing that we should be seeing then is an increasing level of hatred for the followers of Jesus Christ. And while it's true that the church has been suffering persecution in many areas of the world since the first century, still yet it's going to increase in frequency and intensity so that even now we're witnessing increasing levels of persecution against the church even in the West. For example, you know between January 2018 and September 2022, there have been at least 420 acts of hostility against 397 separate U.S. churches. And according to the reports, these cases include everything from arson and vandalism to gun-related violence and bomb threats. And according to the data from the FBI, there were 240 anti-Christian hate crimes that occurred in 2021, which was up from 172 back in 2018. Clearly, attacks against the church are increasing just as Jesus promised. 
You know, but it's one thing for, you know, criminals to engage in these sorts of criminal activities. And, and as long as we can say, well, the, the law's on our side. So, the, so, so we'll let law enforcement come and deal with these criminals. Well, it's important to note that we're also witnessing an increasing level of persecution occurring as law enforcement agents begin to enforce the policies of the progressive left. For example, during the time of the lockdowns, uh, you know, in, in, in the beginning of the pandemic and whatnot, there were several pastors in the UK, in Canada, even here in America, who were either fined, some were imprisoned. Why? Just because they wanted to continue having church with anybody who would want to show up. It wasn't like these pastors were going and dragging people out of their beds and saying, you're going to go to church on Sunday. And No, they just wanted to keep their church open for anybody that wanted to come. And so they were fined. Some were imprisoned. Not only that, but we're also watching officers uh, arresting those who would dare peacefully protest in front of abortion clinics. Now, uh, you know, throughout the last couple of years, what you've seen where, you know, if you want to gather together with with Antifa and BLM and march through the streets and set stuff on fire and, 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 and bust out windows and these sorts of things, that's peaceful protesting. But if you want to stand in front of an abortion clinic and, and, and pray for the ladies who are considering aborting their babies, that's a criminal offense now. For example, it was just last week when the director of the March for Life in UK was arrested for simply standing near the British Pregnancy Advisory Service Clinic in Kings Norton, Birmingham. Listen, she wasn't carrying a sign. She didn't have a bullhorn. She, she wasn't creating a scene she wasn't blocking the access. She was simply standing on the sidewalk, silently praying. And somebody complained. So the UK police showed up and asked her if she was praying. And in all honesty, she said yes. That within herself, she was praying. So they arrested her. They arrested her for silently praying outside of an abortion clinic. Sadly, these situations are becoming more and more common, especially as the truth of God's word becomes more and more offensive to those who embrace the ideologies and even the religious system of the progressive left. And trust me when I tell you that the progressive left is a religious system. To prove my point, I invite you to engage in a little social experiment today. Just take some time after church to to get on your social media accounts and just inform your followers that the biblical definition of marriage is the only correct definition. Oh, and then maybe add on that uh, women can't become men and men cannot become women. It's biologically impossible. And then maybe wrap it up by assuring them that Jesus is the only way to be saved and those who refuse to repent of their sins and trust in him will eventually be cast into the eternal fires of hell. Just share that little information with, you, with all your followers on social media today and just, just start counting the number of friends that you start losing uh, as the day goes on. Just, just wait for, for the angry unbelievers to chime in on how they feel about such a hate speech like, like that. This is the sort of truth that is just offensive to those who embrace the religious system of the progressive left. And with this in mind, I want to consider again what Jesus already told us would happen in the future as we get closer to the end of times. It's here in Matthew 24, again, verse 10. Jesus declares then, many will be what? Offended. How easy is it to offend people today? Many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. In the name of love. But they will hate one another. Jesus here is describing the last days as a time when people are easily offended by those who speak the truth. And as this continues to increase in frequency and intensity, you better believe that there's coming a point in time when those who dare speak the truth of God's word will be charged with hate crimes. 
As we consider this, this concept of many being offended, that word offense uh, is translated from the Greek word scandalizo, which is the basis for our English word scandalize or scandal. And the original Greek word is also a word that speaks of those who put a stumbling block in the path of another in the hopes that they might trip and fall. Think about that for a moment. In a spiritual sense, you know, this word, scandalizo, it's used of those who would entice others to sin. They, they put a, stumbling, a spiritual stumbling block in the path so that a person might, 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 might trip over it and then stumble back into a sinful lifestyle. What this means is that the last days is going to be a time when those who are offended by the truth will then begin to entice believers to return to a sinful lifestyle by encouraging them to fall away from the faith. And it's for this reason that the scholars who created the NIV version render verses 9 and 10 in this way. Jesus speaks of those who will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. Simply put, the last days is going to be a time when many in the church stumble back into sin after being enticed by those who are offended by the truth. And as a result, many will fall away from the faith. Further proof of my point can be found in 1 Timothy chapter 4. It's verse 1 where Paul declares, the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, when? In latter times, some will depart from the faith giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. In other words, in the last days of the church age, many will fall away from the faith, and the reason why is because they end up exchanging the truth of God's word for doctrines of demons. Rather than continuing to embrace the truth of God's word, they will embrace the doctrines of demons that are being promoted by you know, those in the progressive left. And as a result, they uh, will withdraw from conservative churches and they will go and sign up and you know, be, maybe become a part of a more liberal church where false teachings, doctrines of demons are being espoused. I'm here to tell you that we're already watching this happening in many churches today. Paul confirms this in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3, where he declares, let no one deceive you by any means. For that day, speaking of the second coming, that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. Now, it should be noted that the phrase falling away here is translated from the Greek word apostasia. And the Greek word apostasia is the basis for our English word apostasy, it's for this reason that the scholars who created the Christian Standard Bible, they render the Greek in this way, don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the apostasy comes first. Christian, don't let anyone deceive you because they're trying to scandalize you. They're trying to put a stumbling block in front of you to cause you to trip up and fall away from the faith. They want you to fall into a, a state of apostasy. And, you know, the, the Greek word apostasia, it, it, it's in reference to a defection from the truth. And so in this context, Paul seems to be using this word to describe these days when many will forsake the truth or they will defect from the truth. Seems to me that this falling away from the faith corresponds to the spiritual scandalizing that Jesus mentions back in Matthew chapter 24. And if so, then this apostasy is going to take place just before the rise of the Antichrist when the son of perdition is finally revealed. To put this onto a proper timeline, as I understand the scriptures, what you have first is apostasy in the church, widespread apostasy happening with more frequency and intensity uh, until there is a completion of the apostate uh, church. And, and then the rapture of the church will happen, the rapture of the true believers. And after the rapture, then the Antichrist will be revealed. 
So within that timeline, where do we find ourselves? Well, we know the rapture hasn't happened yet. I know that there are some people missing from church this morning, but uh, we know who they are, and we definitely know they didn't get raptured. But, uh, but seriously, you know, we, we know that the rapture hasn't happened yet. We know the Antichrist has not yet been revealed. But it certainly does seem that, like there's apostasy happening in the church today. Is it to the level that Jesus was talking about? Well, you might not know this, but the number of pastors and associate pastors and children's ministry directors, the, the, the number of, of church leaders who deny at least one of the essentials of the Christian faith, this number is growing at alarming rates. It's, it's, a, it's incredible to watch. And listen, uh, this, this includes Bible teachers who are now denying important doctrines like the doctrine of hell. We're watching more and more Bible teachers rejecting the doctrine of eternal hell than ever before. Uh, this includes popular authors like Rob Bell, you know, who wrote Love Wins. But, but also more recently, we've seen Tim Mackey, who created the Bible Project, uh, you know, creating a video that basically uh, uh, presents the idea that, well, you know, God created the heavens and he created the earth, but we see no mention of him creating hell. So hell must be a man-made uh, invention. Wow. That's a huge leap. And yet, the Bible Project is very popular. There are many churches that are embracing the woke agenda of the progressive left. The, the, the faith of progressivism has you know, just basically been accepted in so many churches in this day and age. This includes the churches that are outspoken about their approval of abortion as health care. And this also includes churches where sexual immorality is now accepted, encouraged, and even celebrated. Listen, time would fail me if I were to present you with all of the examples of churches where sexual immorality is now being celebrated while simultaneously leaders are rejecting and denying the biblical doctrine of sexual purity. And listen, many of these churches are inviting members of the LGBTQIA plus community to not only join the, the, the ranks of leadership of their church, but also speak from the pulpit. Now listen, Every single person is welcome to come to Calvary South Austin. The doors of this church are open to everyone. But I will not compromise on what the Bible actually says about sexual purity and all these other things. I'm not going to change what the Bible says because society is now saying something different. Because truth is more important than being inclusive. And yet there are scores of churches today that are allowing drag queens to present their message from the pulpit. For example, it was just November when uh, on the Transgender Day of Remembrance, just in case you didn't know that was a thing, the leaders at Temple Beth El in Madison, Wisconsin, invited a self-identifying queer drag queen to come and speak from the pulpit as this individual then shared about their problem using bathrooms or something. This is the message from a pulpit? And as we continue to watch the woke agenda being embraced by many, many churches, listen, it won't be long until pastors like myself who continue to preach the truth of God's word are accused of hate crimes, and I have no doubt will eventually be hauled before the courts. We're already seeing it happen in the UK. You better believe that this is only going to cause nominal Christians in the church to migrate to churches that are more liberal and progressive. Why? Because for them, inclusivity is more important than truth. Listen, I'm all for inclusivity. I, I, I pray that every single sinner comes to this church hears the truth, repents, gets saved, and worships the Lord Jesus with the rest of us. But we're not going to compromise truth here in the name of inclusivity because it's the wrong priority. 
Meanwhile, listen, the Pope is preparing the world for the religious system of the Antichrist. It was just this past September when Pope Francis participated in the seventh Congress of the leaders of world and traditional religions. And just to be clear, the Pope led the opening and the closing ceremonies of this meeting. And and listen, to sum it all up, the interfaith religious leaders who showed up to this event, the majority of them signed a 35-point declaration that now places the goal of coexistent peace above their goal of, uh, of the religious doctrines of the religious system. So all these religious leaders got together and said, coexistence is more important than what we believe to be true. And yeah, the the Pope opened this ceremony and closed it. And in this way, he appears to be preferring coexistence to the teachings of Jesus who assures us that he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. Listen, the Lord Jesus didn't come to the earth and say, okay, get Harry Christian over here, get Buddha over here, you know, let's, let's get everybody together and let's try to form this coexistent, peaceful religious system where all faiths are, are co-equal and let's just, you know, have a big party here. No, he didn't, he didn't do that. He said that everyone who came before him was a thief and a robber. And he said that he's the only way to the Father. And yet here's the vicar of Christ. Ignoring the ministry of the Lord Jesus, who he claims to represent so that he can form this coexistent religious system, that's the religious system of the Antichrist. As we factor all this together with the rise of the globalists who are currently preparing us for a biochip which will be used for our identification, our banking, and our healthcare data, you better believe that they are setting us up for the mark of the beast. And with all of this converging at the same time with increasing intensity and frequency, I personally have no doubt that we are living in the most exciting time since the first advent of Jesus Christ. If all this information fills your heart with fear, I encourage you to switch your focus and to realize that this is the time period that Paul wanted to live in. This should be exciting for us, Christian. And with that, we should take a moment to ask, how do I really understand all of this? How, how does this affect me? Should I, should I embrace the belief that, well, ignorance is bliss, and, and so I'm just going to ignore all these uh, you know, end-time events that are currently converging. I'm just going to pretend like I didn't hear it, and I'm just going about my business. Or should we allow these things to fill our hearts with fear as we realize that we're heading into very troubling times? Should I allow fear to override faith? Should we dismiss the data by insisting that, well, there's really no way to know and people have been wrong before, so let's just get back to work? Or are we excited? Excited to serve our Savior here in these days of spiritual apostasy? With these questions in mind, I want to consider the instructions that the Lord presented to his disciples. And with that, if you would, let's turn our Bibles down to Mark chapter 13. As you make your way to the 13th chapter of Mark's gospel account, I just want to take a moment to remind you that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. If prophecy doesn't excite you, are you really embracing the testimony of Jesus? I'll remind you that those who seek to understand the prophetic promises that we find in the Bible... These are the Christians who will be blessed. And I want you to be blessed this year. And with that being the case, I know that the Lord Jesus wants us to be blessed, which is why we find him encouraging his disciples to keep a watchful eye on the prophetic horizon. Let's consider how the Lord puts it here in Mark chapter 13. If you would look with me there, beginning at verse 28. Here, Jesus declares, now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see these things happening, 
know that it is near at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but only the father. Take heed, watch and pray, for you do not know when the time is. It is like a man going to a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to each his work and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Watch, therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming. In the evening, at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping." And what I say to you, I say to how many? I I say to some? No. He turns to his disciples and says, what I say to you, I say to all. Watch. As we consider these instructions, we can be certain of three things here. First of all, the Lord Jesus is going to return. He promised it. (laughs) you better believe he's going to make good on the promise. The Lord Jesus is going to return, and it's at that point in time when he will establish his millennial kingdom. Secondly, we can also say for sure that we don't know which generation is going to witness the rapture of the church in the seven-year tribulation. We don't know. How do I know we don't know? Because Jesus says you don't know. Thirdly, though, Jesus called us anyway to take heed as we watch and pray. That was true of the disciples in the first century. That was true of the disciples in the second century. And the third and the fourth. And I'll stop there lest I embarrass myself with not knowing math. Me number bad. But me English good. (laughs) He calls us all to watch. And that word watch is translated from a Greek word which speaks of those who give strict attention to something. And in the context of of the end times events, Jesus calls every Christian to continue watching, to keep our eye on the prophetic horizon. Proof of my point can be found in Matthew chapter 24. There Jesus declares, watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. In Matthew 25, the Lord declares, watch therefore, for you, neither, uh, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. And in Revelation chapter 16, the Lord Jesus declares, behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches. You want to be blessed this year? Watch. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. In light of these verses, there should be no doubt in our minds here that the Lord Jesus is calling every Christian here today to understand the signs of the times as we continue to watch and pray. And while it's true that we don't know for sure when the rapture of the church is going to happen, we can also say with all certainty that Christians who continue to watch and pray will be making the most of our time as we press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And knowing that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, we'd all do well to study the end time prophecies that we find within the word of God. And regardless of whether the rapture is tomorrow or a thousand years from tomorrow, our instructions remain the same. Our instructions remain the same in 2023 and in 2024 and so on and so forth. Our instructions are to take heed as we watch and pray. And as the servants of the Lord's house, we've been called to reach the lost so that they might be saved. As we continue to watch, we can rejoice in knowing that Christians are already more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Will bad things happen this year? Probably. Will we face troubling times this year? I'm guessing. Are all of these things going to increase in frequency and intensity? That's my guess. And yet, isn't it still true that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus? 
Does that fact change regardless of what happens here in this world? We are already more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. And with that being the case, we should take courage in the fact that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And it's for this reason that I encourage you as we step into 2023, let's face the future with great confidence as we continue to rest in the victory of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Because Jesus already knows the end from the beginning. Now let's just walk by faith with him. And as we walk by faith with him, we will continue to walk in the victory that he secured there on the cross. Let's walk by faith with Jesus Christ and allow him to guide us into the future according to his perfect plan. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your word and for how you use it to encourage us. And Lord, I pray as we take this first step into the new year, Uh, Help us to just trust in you. No matter what happens, no matter if things get better or worse, help us to simply walk by faith, knowing that you have everything under control. Help us, Lord, to also uh, be those servants who keep a watchful eye on the prophetic horizon so that we can enjoy all the blessings that you have for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.